I didn't think, oh, I need a life coach to sort my mental health out or something, or I need a life coach to sort out my goals or whatever. I didn't think anything like that. Um, but very quickly, I realized it it was so beneficial to me, especially as someone that's so busy, always constantly talking to people, always giving to people, always like, you know, all this different stuff, whether it's work or personally, to actually sit there and think about what I wanted and needed out of life now and in the future, and then make actionable steps to do that. I think it has been honestly life life changing. Welcome back guys to Self-Centered with me Calypso, the show that empowers you to create a life that feels aligned, alive and yours. I'm a self-discovery coach. Every single week I'm here helping you feel more clear and confident about your next steps in life and having conversations that will open your mind, that will challenge social norms and really just show you how beautiful life can be when you give yourself permission to put yourself at the center. Today I'm joined by powerhouse, powerhouse, Priya Aluwalia. Priya is the creative director and founder of her fashion brand, Aluwalia, and that's dropped globally around the world. Netta Porter, Saks Fifth Ave, she's done collabs with Mulberry, Ganny, Paul Smith. She's also the winner of, okay, I'm going to actually list all the awards because I feel like you need to hear them. H&M Design Award, Queen Elizabeth II Award for Design, three fashion awards, the GQ Menswear Fund, Join LVMH winner. She was a warm-up prize finalist. She's also the creator of Circulate, which was a multi-award winning uh, platform that was done in collaboration with Microsoft. Not only that, yes, she has this fashion brand. She's also a director. She's signed to Ridley Scott, Black Dog, and she has created short films commissioned by Gucci. She's directed loads of other collabs. She's also a dear darling friend of mine, a client of mine and somebody that I'm so lucky to have in my life. So Priya, welcome to Self-Centred. Thank you so much for having me. It always sounds um, quite mental actually when you hear all of that listed out. Uh, I, feel, I feel like that's, you, you win also an award for the best, <laughs> for the best intro. Yeah, I think so. You've done so many amazing things and I've been so lucky to have been able to witness it I want to start actually by telling our genesis story how we met actually you tell it how did we meet tell the people so I'm really bad with years but I think it must have been about eight years now Mm -hmm. eight years ago um I got a job straight out of uni as the design assistant for Ivy Park and Calypso joined very shortly afterwards as the buying admin assistant I believe yeah at Ivy Park and we kind of just really connected so quickly like we became friends and fast um and it was a very it was a very interesting place to work I think we both learned a lot um and it was wild it we was were yeah. we were we were we were part of the team that it was like this was pre-Ivy Park launch so the brand yeah. hadn't launched yet we were working in this tiny little office in like the middle of London, just off Oxford Street, running around with samples. I remember you were like, we were both bottom of the food chain, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> we were bottom of the food chain. Priya was the design assistant, but she was like, I remember she used to email me and be like, can you send me an email, please? Because I don't get any emails. <laughs> I got none. And now, oh my God, I wish can I you imagine? Now I get 
so many it's like death by email these days so how things have changed yeah i know things have changed so you didn't used to get any emails i used to be running around because i was like the sample mule that just used to have to give things to people but i feel like that set the foundation for our friendship because we were both in this environment actually the mad thing was when we both were first started there we were the only two black women Mm. working for this this weird collaboration that was Beyonce and Sir Philip Green which now you look back and you're like really like why why did anyone ever think that that was gonna work I don't know um and so we were we had quite although we weren't able to do loads I feel like we had quite big influence in just being who we were and actually being able to be like this is how things are meant to go but that was where you began. I feel like you need to tell the story from being the design assistant who was asking for emails to <laughs> to where you are now, probably like putting your out of office on 24-7 so that you get less emails. Literally. What was that journey? How did you go from being in that place of, you know, working for Ivy Park? I know that you went back to, you tell the story, go on, yeah. t- tell so, the full thing. So yes, I graduated my BA and I, and I got offered the job at Ivy Park before I'd left uni and which was a humongous accomplishment and I'm really really proud of it I think that um you know for me I'd always known I wanted to sit within luxury fashion so I took the job like you know job market's crazy for graduates I took the job like knowing I didn't necessarily think I'd be there forever but I learned a lot and you know really foundational skills such as like my CAD drawing skills just went from like zero to hundred. They're like so much better now for that job and things like that. And also just listening to what was going on and understanding like, or trying to understand why decisions have been taken, etc. kind of made me really think about like why I was there or what I wanted and is it what I wanted? And so I had a great time, especially working with Calypso every day or like working with you every day. Um, and I met some great people, for example, the creative director, Karen Langley, who um, I still uh, I'm in contact with now and she pulls Alawalia for shoots and stuff so I made some great connections but I think I realized quite quickly that I didn't necessarily feel the high street was for me um, I also felt like in those big businesses there's such a slow climb up the food chain mm. like like you get a promotion sort of every 18 months two years and I was doing the maths and I was like that means I won't be like a established designer for like eight seven to eight years and I was like I have not got time for that and I, I just I needed to figure out what it was I wanted to do and and kind of get there faster. So I started to, uh, I left um, and I started freelancing for Wales Bonner, who's uh, a London based brand and she's, um, you know, got an iconic brand and and, um, I worked closely with her and it was very interesting to work for a brand that was so much smaller and how Grace Mm. could make decisions like like quickly and, you know, she could do things because of feeling and not just because of, um, you know, budget, sign budgets off. and units. And, you know, that's obviously very important, but it's just a different type of thing. And um, so I just, I'd always wanted to do a master's and I, and I thought, you know what, I, I don't quite know what I want to say fully as a designer. I have got the skills, I've got this base layer, but like, how do I want to be, how do I want to communicate? So I, I went and did a master's for um, kind of nearly two years, 18 months-ish at the University of Westminster uh, and that was an experience. I <laughs> met loads of great people on that course, like industry contacts and things like that. And I really, it's a famous thing with fashion MAs. I don't know why they do it, but they kind of break you down before they build you back up. Well, they say they build you back up. That doesn't happen very much, but they definitely break you down. And it was a 
almost like a psychological test for, for nearly two years. But I really did sort of start to like understand what I what I wanted, what I didn't want, and um, in terms of creativity. And so I, at the very end, when I, I got there's a horrible process, quite X Factor ish, where um, there's a class of twenty of us, but only ten of us got selected for the final London Fashion Week show. So you kind of work really hard in your collection for that. And um, fortunately for me, I got selected for it. And um, that show was n- nearly five years ago now. And I launched, I, I did a collection that was based on my travels. I'm Indian and Nigerian. It was based on my travels back home and um, doing investigation about the secondhand clothing industry, basically, and how our clothing in the West gets shipped to the global south for profit or recycling or to be dumped and i just it was it was a pivotal point in my career where i really learned that i wanted to create fashion that wasn't wasteful and fashion that's made to last and um get people to cherish their clothing again and uh bring up conversations about respecting the global south and the people that live there so the collection was very much informed by that. And alongside that, I also created a zine called Sweet Lassie. And that was, um, I'm not a photographer, but I like taking photos. And that was a, a photo- photographic exploration of both those trips. And I think, you know, it, I think it's a testament to my kind of, um, almost like this marketing sense that comes kind of kind of instinctively to me because I, I released a book on the same day as the show. And it, I got so much press, like in you know, in every roundup of the show, of the fashion, of the student show, like my one was, my show, my collection was kind of featured the most. And I had standalone pieces in ID and Dazed. And very quickly I was in New York Times and stuff. So it was a, a complete like roller coaster. I didn't have a plan at that point. I didn't know whether I was going to go to Paris and work for, you know, a big house or whatever. I didn't really have a plan. I just wanted to get out of uni and be free. And, <laughs> But very quickly, I got approached by two stores, um, opening ceremony and LNCC, who wanted to order my graduate collection. So I had, you know, I had to learn what to do kind of just on the spot. And I, um, yeah, created the collect, like created their orders and sold it. And that was the kind of the very beginning. Oh, my gosh. I feel like that's. First of all, I couldn't believe that it's only been five years that you've had the yeah. brand because it feels so established, so well-known. You've achieved so much. And when you think about our lives and the amount of time that we're working, five years is nothing. Yeah, it's like, not it's, a lot. It's actually nothing and you've achieved so much. I One of the things I love about your story of beginning the brand was this journey of self-discovery that you went on personally in your life you know revisiting the places where both of your parents are from to know yourself more which then led to you feeling inspired to create your collection what would you say your biggest influences or inspirations have been in your career journey I think quite often we're looking outwardly for ideas whether that be like you're a creative and you're creating a project or you are I don't know coming up with a new holiday I don't know whatever like creating in any way I think we can look outside but quite often we've been on this journey of our life where there is so much inspiration what have been your biggest influences or inspiration on your journey in creating a brand I think that um something I really took away from my master's actually was to like really focus on your point of view of things and what your personal journey is and you know some creatives that doesn't work for them but my masters I was really encouraged to like I I remember my first ever project I did it I did a design project and it was all about like I had this like story it was kind of a narrative in the beginning and it was kind of about this guy 
who was like a Punjabi guy. He he loved like going to garage raves, but his family like didn't want him to do it. And he, they wanted him to be a doctor. And I kind of created this whole like narrative about who this character was. And that was what inspired the collection. And I was in my first tutorial about it. And I remember my teacher was like, why don't you like, this is all great research. It looks really good. You know, you've obviously sourced it from good places, but why don't you have any of your own family photos in it? Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so true. And I went to my grandma's house, my Nana's house, and I like rooted through all the family photos. And I firstly realized like that was kind of a turning point for me when I realized that my own personal history and my experience and stuff is so important. And then from there, it kind of developed, you know, um, it's not necessarily always about me directly, but it's, I definitely started to think more and more about how um, up until recently, there aren't really any black and brown luxury brands. And I think we've got lots of stories to tell and personal histories to represent. And so um, that's kind of how I started to form the basis of like what I look into creatively. I often start creative projects for my brand anyway, um, from a place of research that's about my heritage, but it could be different subjects. So for example, my Autumn Into 22 show was about Nollywood and Bollywood cinema, but my most late, my most recent show, which is Autumn Into 23, was about uh, my personal music with Journey, with me, journey personal journey with music. Um, so it, it's always rooted in my, my cultural background, but with different topics. I think storytelling is so powerful I feel like it's what engages I love listening to stories and actually when I think back at my life I just loved it was something that my mum did for me from when I was really young it was like story time before bed and I just love listening to the journeys that people have been on and I think it's such a great way to communicate where you're at you were speaking about going from doing your master's you were there you were creating this graduate collection the x-factor style selection process which sounds stressful horrible it was horrible and it sounds I mean, so stressful it also kind of really fractured people's relationships afterwards i mean mm. it was and also what they did they, they, it was even worse because there was 10 of us and then two days before the show they dropped out two more people Oh my gosh. It was and, like scandalous. I think actually I, I want to come back to that because I want to talk about the fashion industry as a whole and mm. how tough it can be. But before I do, I wanted to talk about how much do you feel you you were you were almost thrust into this position of starting your brand. You were creating this graduate fashion collection, which I guess everyone has the hope and dream that somebody might yeah. pick it up and buy it. But I don't know. I'd be so interested what the stats are of how many people's collections actually get bought after their first one. I reckon it's pretty low. I think (laughs) there was something very special about what you were showcasing and there's something very special about you that goes without saying. But how much of you you starting your brand was reliant on you having the confidence to go for it and how much of it was you just feeling like, I I don't have a choice, I'm riding the wave, it's happening. Did you have to consider can I do this? Or was it almost nat- this natural, like, I've been chosen, I'm doing this. This is the thing that's always meant to have happened for me. Do you know what? That's a really good question. And I kind of didn't, I don't, I remember just being really excited. I don't mm. remember really having much doubt. What was interesting is that, um, so I graduated, I left uni in like June or something. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I had applied for the H&M Design Award, which is a graduate award before I'd left uni and the final was in November and I'd been selected for the final and I knew that kind of in maybe August Mm -hmm. Um, so that was also really motivating and I just 
like it happens a lot with um like sort of new designers especially before covid um when everything was so physical but i started getting picked up for like a lot of stuff very quickly like i remember I did this whole thing with ID where they filmed me, which they still use that content to this day, actually, like um, as a part of other videos. Um, They filmed me uh, at a recycling centre and interviewed me and stuff. And that happened like really soon. And and then I kept getting like all these press requests for the clothes. And I I just kind of like took it in my stride. Back then I didn't have a studio. I worked out of a spare room at my mum's house, um, which I did. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, you've been there. I did that actually for maybe two and a half years or three years, which I, you know, I really am very grateful to my mum and my stepdad for letting me take over the house. So, um, yeah, it was just like, this is just the way it is. But what I will say, which something is very important is like, no man is an island with these things. And I had a great group of people around me. So firstly, my mum is incredible. She's also a finance director. So straight away, like she knew how to help me with like figuring out the money stuff. Right. And I guess because I've grown up around her, I'm um, maybe more business savvy and financial savvy than some other creatives are, because I guess it's hard to be both sometimes. Um, And so she was amazingly supportive. And also my friend, Harry, who uh, to this day is my sales agent and he owns H-Town in Shoreditch. He, at the time, I think, had just stopped being a buyer at Machine A, I think, and started his own agency. I can't remember the timings, but he was also on his own journey into um, fashion, selling fashion, buying fashion in a high-end space. And so we we worked together, you know, like when when I told him, when uh, we I discussed with him about Open Zero and LNCC, he took that off my shoulders and he did all the comms for me. And, you know, he really was like a very, very supportive person and he still is from the beginning of the brand. So that was like, you know, instrumental. I think I, you know, I then started to go out a bit more in the fashion circles and meet more people. And um, yeah, I think at the beginning it was, I was an I, I was like very sort of on my own and I had brilliant interns, but they were interns, you know, they left me after a few months ago. And <laughs> do you. So I didn't really, I didn't employ my first full-time employee until three years ago um, or just under three years ago. And um, yeah, it was it, it was a brilliant time for learning everything. Now I know I've learned everything because I've had to do everything. You know, I've mm. had to do each element. So it's very easy to, to it's, it makes it much easier to brief people, but also to, to catch bullshit. So that's <laughs> so true. And I think, you know, that's something I talk about all the time in my content and with my clients that with any goal that you have, having your support system or building out your team. And obviously in your context, it was actually building out a team for work, but whether you've got a goal that is, you know, uh, a going on a backpacking trip around the world or yeah. the goal is, you know, build, building a business, who do you need around you to support you in getting there? Like is who's there one maybe to keep you accountable? Who's there to inspire yeah. you and having different members of your team, building that team out for yourself in the way that you can. And yeah, it might not always be, financially viable even if you're starting a business to employ people straight away but what do you need like what help do you need to get there I think that's such a big thing I would say actually like a really big piece of advice that I would suggest if anyone is thinking about kind of building a business or um uh, doing a creative pursuit that's not traditionally easy to do is like try and find mentors and people that are willing to give you advice. Um, It's difficult because people that you want as mentors are really busy, right? But Mm. be patient with them and, um, you know, just be friendly with them. And 
And I think that has been something that's really helped me build my business is from listening to other people and Mm. taking advice and then considering how does that affect me or does it affect me? You know, it might not be relevant, but it it definitely helps you make decisions. Mm, I love that actually. And I'm curious if you've got any other advice. Like For somebody that's at the beginning, they've got a big dream, maybe they're at the early days of starting something. What advice do you have for them? One, have mentors. Is there anything else that you know really Mm. helped you get your brand off the ground? Um, Have mentors. Mm. Uh, And networking is not for everyone. And it is really hard. You know, I'm five years in now. And sometimes I I get kind of really fatigued by like having to constantly like socialize in a network. But the thing is, like the best conversations often happen in the bathroom, I find. Always. So I think like really try and get out there. And if you are someone that's not, I'm quite an outgoing person. And if you're not outgoing, I, I understand it's really difficult. But I have come across other people that are maybe more shy or more, um, find it more hard to speak to strangers basically that they take a friend and they go out with a friend and you know start small maybe you go to talks rather than parties but I definitely think networking is really important I think that something as well is to be really really sure like be be sure about your point of view on things and like what you want to say what is it what does it mean to you to do this business venture like what is your point of view on the way that the branding should look what do you think the culture uh, the community uh, the company culture should be for example you know be very be very decisive and um try not to lose focus of that of that goal because it's easy sometimes when people are offering money to do things that would kind of take you off track of track of that but you need to think long term and not short term Mm. and i would say something that's really important is to like take a moment all the time and like think about what you're actually achieving. I, I I say that as someone that does is maybe guilty of not doing it enough, but like, don't let life come at you too fast. I think like, just like t- celebrate small wins. And I think personally for me, it's really nice to document them in some way, whether that's like photographing things or writing things down. So I think, you know, enjoying the moment um, is really important because it also is very motivating. I I find um which I've spoken to you about many times in our sessions but I find sometimes when I feel the most demotivated is when I'm worrying about something in the future and I'm constantly thinking about like how can I sort something out that's about to come you know whether it's about money or projects or whatever and it and it can completely kind of erase like how much I've achieved or you know all the good things that are going positively so I think definitely trying to um prioritize giving yourself grace mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah, the reflection of the wins thing is massive, isn't it? It's like yeah. you've achieved so much. No matter where you are on the journey that you're on, there is loads that you've achieved in your life. And I think as soon as you start something new or you're trying to grow something, it's so easy to forget all of the amazing things that you've done and just focus on all of the things that you've not done yet that you need to do. And yeah, I, I think that's so valuable, especially at the beginning, because Definitely. you're like, how do you motivate yourself when you've not, you know maybe you haven't done all of the things that you are hoping and dreaming for yet but knowing that you're even in the position to start so many people don't don't even put themselves out there to begin exactly and I think starting is the hardest part and then you just got to listen to your gut um you know write everything down I've got notes from meetings I had five years ago four years ago three years ago and they're always like I can always go back to them you know my Mm. team I'm always like if they're in a meeting with me don't bother starting if you're not writing it down because it's so important for you to be able to like use that knowledge later on. You know, something might not seem relevant three years ago, but later it will. And I think also the other thing, talking more about the 
the being scared bit or being nervous and or being stressed is like I, I read something on Instagram the other day and it was something like um like slow down and don't worry because you haven't even met your full self yet it was good it was on that page I can't remember what it's called you know the one where it's got like the really nice font and it's like 10 slides like so things you need yes. to hear today. yes yes love that I remember the name but yeah, it was like, you haven't even met your full self yet. And I, and I actually really needed that when I saw that. And I was like, it's so true. Like, what am I, like, you know, it's 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 really easy. And I actually, sorry, I'm rambling, but I think no, another thing that makes it maybe difficult when you start to get successful in whatever means success to you. There's so many different ways. But like, you always are hungry for the next thing. Mm. And that kind of can make, and I think especially as a high achiever, I've always been a high achieving person um, in different areas of my life. And like, for example, I was on the phone with my mum the other day and I just won a pitch that I was hoping to win, which I can't talk about on the podcast, unfortunately, but you'll see about it soon. And uh, I was really excited about winning the pitch. You know, it took a lot of work to win it, et cetera, et cetera. And then the conversation kept going on and I was like, uh, this is going to be really good for the business, blah, blah, blah. And then I was just like getting into my flat, which is a lovely flat, but I rent it. And then I was like, I thought I'd be able to have a hat bought. I thought I would have bought a house by now. And mm. then I went down some big sort of like negative tangent. And in my mind, I kept obsessing about like, you know, why haven't I bought a house? And my mum was just like, literally, who gives a shit? Like, don't worry about it. Like, you might buy a house in five years. You might buy a house in one year. You might buy a house in 10 years. Like, or you might not buy a house. You know, it's it's like, it's okay. And I think sometimes it's difficult to just be okay with, things flowing a bit I think mm. I, I I definitely struggle with that mm. I, I, I relate to that deeply too the high achieving I need to be the best at everything I do so now I'm going to find the things that I am not overachieving in and, and pick holes in it and figure yes. out how I can go there but the reflecting also I think the the fashion industry is a beast within itself in the sense that you're you're constantly having to think ahead yeah. of time right? You're constantly thinking seasons ahead, what's going to be next, what's going to come. And so yeah. it can be hard to draw the line. I know that I used to find this and I think it still lives in my life now from working in the industry. It can be hard to draw a line on that and not let that spill out into other areas of your life. Sure. I'd be like, okay, cool. But I need to know what's coming in the future because that's what success is. Because that's what success is if I create a good collection for it. So yeah. what about the other areas of my life? Okay. You finish, you finish your master's you put, you release your book and your collection on the same day. Genius. Yes. If you've not, if you've not already noticed already, she's a bloody genius. People are buying your, your graduate collection. You are working on your own on your brand for a couple of years. Talk about that next stage of the journey from, from the beginning of the brand, I guess, and maybe you really taking those steps to get it underway on its own to where you're at now. What has that journey looked like? I think, I think something that surprised me actually was um, all of a sudden, like bigger companies were coming to, for partnerships and like um, wanting me to be in, in content and stuff like that. And I literally, I just thought I was going to be a designer. I, at the very beginning of my brand, um, I really didn't want to be like publicly seen. I wanted to be quite marjela about it and like behind the scenes. And, you know, in this day and age of the internet and social media and stuff, that just doesn't, it's hard to make that work. Um, and also, I guess my, my brand story is so connected to my personal histories. People wanted to learn more about me. And so I had to lean into that. Something I struggle with to this day, I have um, 
a, fun, a hard time with body image and the way I look. And I, I definitely think that's an added pressure of my job. And it's not that anyone's expecting anything of me. Like I'm a designer, I'm not a model, but I, I do find that a bit difficult. But I started to lean into that. So quite quickly, I was um, sort of working on the collection, but making more money by being involved in like content for brands. And then I won the H&M Design Award in the in the November after I graduated and that was a cash prize of 50,000 euros so that was um you know amazing it was life-changing I managed to buy new equipment um fund the next collection and then very shortly after that I did a project with Adidas in Paris um called Makers Lab and it was a project run by Pharrell and David Beckham it was like it was absolutely bananas and then I was talking <laughs> collection at Paris Fashion Week six months after I graduated it was a new collection and I and showed it at Paris Fashion Week I mean it was honestly like I remember being in the toilet like and just like laughing my head off because I was like <laughs> what is going on like, it was absolutely crazy and um I just I kind of I, I think another important thing is from that kind of point I knew that I was going to be doing something special and I knew that I was a special person. And I know that's, and I'm mm. British, so I find it really difficult to say things like that out loud without sounding sort of big headed, but it's true, you know, like not everyone can make, make these things happen, I guess. And so I, it really was a confidence boost. And from there I started to do more panels and get my name out there and uh, do more events and meet my stockist and the stockist grew and grew. And then I started to doing, more collaborations. So I, I did a, I've done a, a big collaboration with Ganny that was um, two seasons. And then I was consulting for the brand and I'm very friendly with the brand and they're amazingly supportive. And then I've collabed with Mulberry and Paul Smith and then Gucci came and commissioned me to make a film for Gucci Fest. And that was just crazy. But all these amazing projects really helped me not only like, they're not only good for exposure and money for my main brand, but also they I, they are a huge chance to learn. Mm. You know, learning, working with Ghani, I learned, I've learned so much. I've got a, one of my mentors is Nikolai, who's one of the founders of Ghani actually, and he's just incredibly smart and um, lets me just chat on the, asking millions of questions. And I've learned things from him. I've learned loads about merchandising, you know, the best way to make a collection viable. And I've learned, just so many different things from all these different companies. And so then I started to realize that that was an important element of the business to me. So it's something I've lent into and I, I really believe it's something that's helped the brand thrive. Basically. Mm, that, and do you know what? I just want to say, this is something that I admire so in such a big way about you is that you are always so open to learning, even though you're somebody that is the best at what you do you still have this open heart and this open mind to know yourself more and to learn from others and I think sometimes you can get to a certain level or not even sometimes people are at the beginning of their journey and it's very much like I know best there's nothing else that can tell me and I think that's where we can get sti like stifled where actually there's so much that you can absorb from so many knowledgeable people around you and I think that's one of the things that has been a huge part of your success even you re like reaching out to me and be like cool let's do some coaching I think yeah. a lot of people in the fashion industry especially there is this culture of and I remember really clearly you know maybe you don't mind me having this and if you do we can cut it out you saying you're saying to me you know I don't I don't want to be one of those creative directors that just runs himself into the ground because I'm loading up more and more and more and more and like partying all the time like yeah I want to party yeah I want to have some fun but yeah. like letting the lifestyle take take me away and just feeling like I I know best and that I can 
you know, figure it out. You're like, I want to be the best version of me. I want to know how to navigate the stress that comes with this role. I want to make sure that I'm taking time for me, that I'm looking after my health, that I am seeing all of the possibilities, seeing what my flaws are as well. And that, that can be hard. I, I feel you as fellow high achiever. That's like, I, I want to be the best at what I'm doing. And so facing your flaws can be a bit scary because you're 100 it can be really scary and and also like it's not in tune with what I've done for the most of my life but I it's totally that I I am by nature very curious person you know Mm. if I'm if I for example if if some if someone says to me like oh um have you heard about x y and z and I haven't the first thing I'm doing is googling it I read a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I watch a lot of documentaries and it's just something that personally I really like so I guess it's in my nature to be curious but actually thinking this is a good example actually of like me you know it's very easy for creatives to have an ego especially when you're winning lots of awards and doing this Mm. and doing that you know people are telling you that you're great right and I guess it could be really easy to be uh to to believe all the hype and and be sucked into it to me i don't feel like that i feel like um that's great now but how do i stay great and that means i have to keep learning keep you know developing as a person so uh, an example of that is that um a couple of years i get so confused with times but a few years ago uh when gucci approached me to make my first short film joy i did it um i was a creative director and i directed it in collaboration with simona alani pekun who's an amazing director and um, it was one of the most brilliant and beautiful times in my career. To this day, I'd say it's a top three highlight. Um, in terms of experience, I, I was on set for filming Joy, which is a celebration of Black British Joy, basically, and um, Black British experience. And I had goosebumps. And I remember thinking, and I wrote a note in my phone, like, this is the most, that this is the best day of my life, basically. I really, mm. I have to get goosebumps talking about it now. But from that day, I fell in love with film, right? So, And it was also the pandemic. So we couldn't really do shows. And I fell in love with film. So I made it, I, I, I made it kind of a point in every project I was doing to try and figure out a film element, especially in collaborations where they could give a little bit of money because films are expensive. Um, <laughs> and I made it a point. She's and- bright. She's <laughs> bright. If you haven't heard this again and again, she's bright. Yeah, I literally, you know, worked with these partners to, to figure out how I could learn more about what I wanted to learn more about. And anyway, so I, I'd worked in a lot more films. I think I'd done six more, five more. And then I got signed uh, late last year by RSA's Black Dog Agency and uh, released a film, Beloved, um, as a part of that. And it's so interesting because, one, I would say it's the only ever time I've had imposter syndrome. I've never, mm. ever suffered from imposter syndrome not once. I don't feel like I've ever walked in somewhere and thought I shouldn't be here. I felt very lucky to be there. And I can't believe it in terms of like, because it's so exciting, but I've never, I've never had this feeling of like, I'm not good enough to be here. And I guess I'm very lucky with that. And I think what happened when I got signed as a film director, I'm good at doing films, right? That's why I do them. And I am creative direction and film direction have a lot of similarities. And, um, one thing I was really worried about is that like people with a more technical film background being like oh why is she doing this because she's not got technical film background and that was the first time I kind of had a wobble but then I also realized you know what we can do whatever we want and if I if I'm good at doing them and people wanted to hire me to do films people will start to see that anyway but what I wanted to say about the learning element is um because of this like second job that I now have which (laughs) be mad um 
you know, I've gone back to learn things that I didn't know. I've done work experience. Like, you know, I did work experience with Olan Kaladi, who's an amazing DOP, and um, he's he was a DOP on Beloved. And I said to him, look, I want to come and follow... So he's the director of photography, so it means he's in charge of the cameras and the lighting on any set. And I said, I want to come and like, learn more from you. And I went on set with him a few months ago, and I was shadowing him, and I was making him cups of tea, and I was asking him millions of questions. I recorded his voice all the time and, you know, I've I've done an editing course. There's all these different things I'm doing behind the scenes because I want to be the best for myself. Like I want to make sure I'm not saying I want to, I'm not saying in anything, by the way, that I'm being the best competing with other people is that I want to do a job and feel like I did my best and I created something beautiful. That's my main goal, you know, and something that resonates with people. So, you know, I, I did that work experience. I did, I've done that sort of like different bits of training and different meetings and calls with different film people that I, I didn't know I needed to do to a few years ago because it wasn't in a part of the plan, but I'm, I'm working on I'm directing a film at the moment and I shoot in a couple of weeks and that new knowledge I've learned in the last few months, because I actively saw it out has really informed my treatment I'm working on. Mm. So it's really beneficial to stay curious. Oh my God. And that 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 surrender to the beginning again I think is something that can be really hard I actually recorded a podcast yesterday speaking about high achievers and the fear of being like okay I'm gonna be the worst at this I'm actually gonna I'm gonna surrender and allow myself to be the worst at this and start again and go on those shoots and make cups of tea like if you're listening to this and there's something that you want to do right now you know it's calling you like whether it's a new project a new career don't be afraid to be the beginning because you you don't know one where that could go but also how much it's you're almost it's the smartest move that you could make exactly Especially if you're somebody that holds yourself to high standards, the smartest thing you can do is to let yourself be the worst and to learn from the people that are the best. I 100% agree. And I think that that is something that is like, you you know, don't be led by ego, like be led by your curiosity mm. or willingness to learn and, and, and your end goal, you know, like that is so important. And I also think that like, for me, and anyone that's like sidestepping, I guess, into similar industries, but something different, like, or even if they're totally different, all of your past experiences are transferable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being a creative director and being a film director, to be honest, are pretty similar. Like, you know, you're directing an experience. Uh, you make choices based on reasoning. And, um, you know, I, I choose the um, the set of a show and I also choose a set of a film. You know, it's, there's, they are transitional. So I, uh, transferable, sorry. So I get that it's maybe not so so different, but, you know, at the same time, it's like if you wanted to do, be a teacher, if I wanted to be a teacher now, it'd be like thinking about how I've worked with my team and like built my team up. I would take that skill into teaching. So I think also like don't be afraid to, to learn, but also remember you've got things that in your past experience that will help you along the way anyway and guide you while you're there. Yeah, so, so true. The I touched on this earlier and I want to come back to it. The fashion industry is the wild, wild west. <laughs> it's the wild, wild west sometimes. Running your own brand I can only imagine is wild and from the sidelines and in fact you're holding so much right there are so many different things that you're holding how do you hold it all and what are the things that you do to look after yourself on the journey of achieving so much and striving because I know that there will be people listening that will be really inspired by what you're doing and maybe have either similar passions or are in similar roles where they are doing the most how do you hold it all how do you look after yourself I think it's a really good question. I, at the very beginning and for the first couple of years, I did not put myself first in any way whatsoever. I didn't think about like 
my mental health, my physical health, or my spiritual health. I did, I was, I was still going to the gym a bit, but I was, you know, just like a hamster on a wheel, essentially. And um, as I started to get a bigger team, I started to realize that like, it's amazing having a bigger team because they can help you. But also you, there's so much more energy you have to give to do that, right? I have to make sure I check in with all 10 of them mm. and like they're all on track with their goals and what they need to be doing and feedback and et cetera. Um, and work gets busier and busier, even though you get more staff and more team, like the, the business gets bigger. So I, I think I took, I, I also um, suffered major grief and major loss. Uh, uh, my stepdad died a few years ago very suddenly and I had started the brand and he was so supportive of me and I I remember I kind of gave up for like two or three months I remember just like drinking wine and watching like Jeremy Kyle and just basically crying all day for months it was just awful but I had again a great support network around me like Harry came to my house and helped me and my friend Alicia just like lots of great people and I, I my mum kind of really was like you know you can't let this defeat you there's a re you know you've got to sort of for me and for yourself you've got to like get back on the horse basically and after that I it changed the way I look at life very dramatically um yeah it changed the way I look at life a lot and I I realized that and then I also yeah I, I mean lots of things happened within the space of four months in my personal life that was honestly derailing and kind of felt like my life was a catastrophe. And I think I sort of hit rock bottom personally. And when I started to think like, no, this is what I want to do. And I've got to make this work. Like, you know, I've got to get back, back in it. I realized I really need to look after myself. Mm. And that was the t a turning point for me in terms of making sure that I, you know, work on, trying to eat better, trying to sleep better. I got, I got a therapist who I still have to this day. And then, um, so she definitely helped with the, you know, the grief and like, uh, reasons why I would react to things in certain ways or reasons why I had so much anxiety, you know, I'm not going to give too many details on a podcast, but you know, <laughs> it's it, to work out my uh, things that triggered me and, and things like that. And, and then I was having therapy for a while and then you, I think we're talking about coaching and I was really curious about it and I had looked up about coaching when you said you're going to do it a bit and I and I saw it was a bit more forward facing and um you know in the beginning to be honest with you I kind of like did it because you're my friend and I was like let me just sort of like support my friend's business venture I I didn't I knew it would be kind of good but I didn't have any expectations going mm. into it I didn't think I didn't think oh I need a life coach to sort my mental health out something or I need life coach to sort out my goals or whatever I didn't think anything like that um but very quickly I realized it it was so beneficial to me especially as someone that's so busy always constantly talking to people always giving to people always like you know all this different stuff whether it's work or personally to actually sit there and think about what I wanted and needed out of life now and in the future and then make actionable steps to do that I think it has been honestly life life-changing and it really helps so now like from since we've been working together there's lots of different things I have in place I think before I started I can't remember the time I'm so bad with timings but I think it was like we were it, I was talking to you and realizing very quickly I needed a personal assistant mm. and so I put the steps in place to get one my amazing assistant Jade and she's one of my best friends she's amazing 
And then with Jade now, we've realized I need time to exercise. So when she does my calendar every week, we need to make sure I put that time in. We need to make sure that I have, like we try and aim to have at least a day a week where I don't have any meetings so I can think freely. Um, you know, we try and we logistically move my time around to make sure I can do the best I can. Mm. Um, you know, I I do other things like, uh, well, definitely exercise. I do much more yoga now. Um, you know, it's something I started when I was started working with journaling and I found that to be really helpful, not only for like clarity, but also for ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's the it's interesting because I've always started my ideas by writing them down anyway, but that's become a much bigger thing, especially now I'm working in film and it's like writing about story, for example, it's really helpful. Um, so I guess that, you know, I'm very, very like, and I, I don't want to sort of um, minimize the fact that I'm in a really amazing position to be able to have therapy and be able to have a life coach and be able to have a personal trainer. I know that that is an amazingly lucky position to be in and I'm very fortunate. And so I really do appreciate it. Um, But it's also something that I've decided to spend my money on, you know, Mm. I'm not a millionaire gazillionaire yet. I will be, don't worry, but (laughs) you know, it's something I've decided to prioritize in my life and that's why I'm doing it. Um, so that's been, yeah, really transformative. And how have those things helped your business or the way that you move through leading a freaking global brand? I I definitely think it's helped me like in times of like struggle, like not knowing what to do. It's definitely helped me take a minute, make decisions rationally rather than out of panic. It's helped me to be motivated. Sometimes it's really hard to have a business like this. And it's like constantly being asked questions and constantly having deadlines and this and that, you know, there is so much amazing into it, but at the same time, it's really hard. And I think sometimes I can just want, sometimes I just want to like hide under my blanket and never like look out. And so this has really helped me look after myself. So I feel much more motivated to, to, to go through those challenging times. Um, and just feel more confident. I think there's, you know, even in terms of talking about how to feel more confident with the public appearance side of this job, um, it's been really beneficial through both life coaching and therapy to, to you know, see it as actually a great thing and, and, and an opportunity rather than worry about someone zooming in on my, I don't know, legs or something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's definitely given me... M- more tools and permission I think it's also given me permission to put myself first and not in a selfish way I think that's a really important thing to flag because it doesn't mean that I put myself first at the expense of others it just means that when I sort plan my life I make sure I give myself time to do things that I like or whether it's like going out and doing you know going to galleries on my own for example I think uh something that was really important is, is that before I started coaching I would, there's so much business to do actually in a creative business. There's so much business before there is creativity, like making sure like, you know, invoices are sorted and this and that, you know, there's just so much noise. And I think it really helped me figure out how to cut through the noise and make sure that I get time to like spend in an art museum or, um, you know, go after this, I'm actually going to a uh, design archive to like go and learn about that, their, their archive that they've got, you know, making sure I, I prioritize the bits I love about my job 
has been really great. And bits I love about my life, you know, it was really um, pivotal for me to, to decide, you know, I wanted to live on my own and move out of home, even though I, I loved living with my mom and my, my mom and everything. But I, you know, I, I had that goal and I achieved that goal. Um, yeah, there's just been so many things. I think it's been you know, really amazing. Oh, I just want to reiterate that you were literally, you saying that you were being self-centered in the most positive way and actually you putting yourself first of the things that, that have allowed you. And it's been such a blessing to be with you on that journey. And I'm always so grateful that you chose me to support you in doing that. I'm so proud of everything you achieve every day. I'm like your biggest like fan in the comments of everything you post. It doesn't matter what. Before we end, I have a tradition where I ask every guest the final three. They have three questions. We'll move through them. First question. What is the most positive, self-centered thing you've ever done and how did it change your life? Oh, that's a really good question. I think, oh, that's a really good question. I think that when I was... I think actually hiring Jade, who's my assistant, mm. I think there was like, you know, so many places the resource could have gone in the business Like we could have got different people in different, in different departments. But I think honestly, having Jade work with me and um, support me in so many different ways has been re- like, I mean, God, she's a good return on investment. <laughs> Life changing. Yeah. I know. Things didn't, I felt that massive shift for you when you could get your head out of the like being in the detail and in being able to step back. And, you know, worrying about my calendar invites and just like, you know, and Jade also, one thing I'd say about her is that she's very, very similar to you and things you taught me. She's very good at boundaries. Mm. And so she has been very good at implementing boundaries in my life when I've struggled to do it. Mm. So that has been, yeah, trans, uh, yeah, that's just been phenomenal actually, yeah. Love that. Okay, number two. What's something you want that you've never said out loud? Oh, what's something I want that I've never said out loud? I think I'm quite open about what I want, really. Um, maybe you've said it out loud to yourself or to me, but maybe something that the world needs to hear. There could be opportunities coming in. There could be people listening. <laughs> I want a Nike collab. You and me both. Let's get this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I you... love Nike collab. That would be... Nike, I know there's people from Nike listening to this. You hit the girl up. Yes. You know that you know that it'll be magic. Be amazing and I think I deserve it. <laughs> you do, if anyone does it to you. Okay, last question. What is one book or piece of advice that's helped you be your most authentic self? Ooh, that's a really good question. I don't really read self-help books. I'm more I'm more into novels, so I guess I don't really have a book that would um that would give me the best piece of advice but the best piece of advice build your tribe build your your crew that is going to help you um whether that's emotionally or uh work-wise or even just full of fun and and actually my best piece of advice is just have fun <laughs> like we're that is the most important thing I think that sometimes like everything becomes so serious and you know the state of our country at the moment is so miserable and depressing and so I think I think it's really important to have fun. That is perfect. That is the most perfect way to end. Have more fun. Priya, thank you so much for being here. I've literally loved this conversation. I just love that we've been able to bring the chats that we have in life, in sessions, for other people's ears. I know that people are going to get so much from listening to you. I really appreciate your time. If you guys have enjoyed listening to this episode, 
share it, post it on your story, send it to a friend, make sure you follow, make sure you like, and yeah, continue these conversations. Thank you so much, Priya. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely.